0: And this is another great example of how I think it's not about the security of LLMs, but it's about using LLMs to improve security and have it get its next step up in capability. The LB space is a lot more complex these days.
1: It's not about me taking a picture on my phone. I could wear regular specs, walk into the office, record the entire damn thing, no one would have a single clue because they just see me walking around in specs now, which yeah. is just regular specs. Yeah. Basically, I saw this prediction online by Daniel Miesler about 2026 is when we could see general intelligence come alive to the point that the average American's job may be
0: replaced, potentially replaced by any AI. I don't know, what was your thinking about this space? Yeah, I- <laughs> Daniel and I agree on a lot of things. That's definitely one where I was like, we should bring him on because I can disagree with him on that. Like saying that by 2026, that we'll replace the average American job through AI, I think is extraordinarily optimistic. I don't even know if you call that optimistic, (laughs) but there's so many different reasons why I don't think that's necessarily true. We haven't even figured out how to get an LLM or AI to manage someone's schedule effectively. So I'm not sure we're going to be at the point of replacing people in 3 years. I think we've got a while to go there. We have, have a long while to go. We got a long while to go. I don't think we've got like when you start implementing this stuff like it's clear that it's very powerful but let's be realistic like people are still trying to figure out the right ways of implementing this to add value. And there are real challenges in saying okay, let's have an LLM manage your calendar and do it like a real EA, making that actually work and doing it well, I think still hasn't been done and will probably be at least another, what, a year before you probably see those companies that can do that really well, where now all of a sudden it can manage a calendar for you and you can do things like, hey, I'm rescheduling that meeting, and it will reach out, and it will have a conversation with you. It will help reschedule things and move things around. I think like we've still got a little while before we get to that. Therefore, saying in three years, it will replace the average American job, I think, is a reach. So then I just quote him
1: directly. The article that he wrote was why we will have AGI between 2025 and 2028. And I think Clint, our mutual friend from TLDRSEC, He summarized the whole thing and basically said, Daniel predicts a 60% chance of AGI in 2025 and a 90% of AGI in 2028, where AGI is an AI system capable of replacing a knowledge worker, making the average salary in the United States. That's That's basically what's been called out. So it's capable rather than it can, it will. Yeah.
0: Okay. That's what makes a little bit of a difference. I do think one of the things that has been a struggle is nobody knows what AGI is. There's no definitive line or goal that says, oh, we've hit AGI. Ooh. Like I just read that I think OpenAI's board just said, hey, we've created our own definition of when we believe we've hit AGI. But if you go ask these guys, hey, tell me when do you know you've reached AGI? Is there like a test? Is there a thing that says, nope, there isn't? Uh, there's not. So reaching AGI is very subjective. Interesting. You know how we did three primer
1: episodes in the whole AI and we we gave it sort of our own definition. But now that you say this, I also wonder, would we even truly know what AGI is? For example, we didn't really know what social media could be. And someone just says, if you were to go back to when Facebook was started, where, oh, Ashish and Caleb would be able to join a community of people who would just believe in this thing that I have to log in into a domain with username and password to meet my friends online, why can't I just call Caleb? Dude, that was not a like, thing we ever thought that would be social media, but today everyone's on there, LinkedIn's there. So maybe to what you said, we have a definition of AGI, but it could be way more than what we're thinking, or maybe way less than what we're thinking.
0: Yeah, the definition of AGI that I proposed in my session was just based off of age. Mm. right to me it feels could you say that llms today have the emotional mental logical Capability of a five year old. I think that might be believable. Could you say LLMs are AGI of a five year old? Yeah, like maybe. I don't know. I don't have a test for this, but I think it's stick your finger in the air. Like now, could it have the mental capacity and reasoning capability of a 30 year old? Then I think we're probably, no, we haven't really gotten there yet. So that I think is tough to figure out. I was reading some paper the other day about how they went through and they did the whole blind chat description and could people determine whether they were talking to a computer or not. And I think the number was like 68% of them said that they were talking to a computer and they were accurately making that distinction. But then the funny part that says, Hey, that means like over 30% did think they were talking to a real human. (laughs) So, and they couldn't distinguish between the two. So that's way better. And they were doing numbers like before LLMs when they were doing that thing. And it was like, 7% 7% or 6% were like, oh, they thought they were talking to a real human. So it was like, it increased tremendously. Like, we're getting think, there.
1: Oh, I don't know. And I know we were going to have the whole uh, what's new in AI or what's hard in AI in the end of the section, but it is relevant. So I'll bring it up now.
0: Did you see the OpenAI Dev Day announcements? Yeah, I did. I didn't get through all of them, but I, I know about most of them at this point. Yeah, I so you know remember how there's
1: the ones. one for custom agents? Yes. Custom AI. So yeah. I made one for cloud security specifically. I that's called true. it Cloud Guardian. It took me less than two hours to build that thing. And as a training data, because obviously we all don't know what training data OpenAI has. So as a training data, what I gave it is all the episodes of Cloud Security Podcast, the transcript of it, that's what the data has been trained on. Now, for me, at that point in time, I was still not confident to release it out in the app store that they have. For me, I'm like, ah, I don't know if it's still ready enough. Like I made a post to LinkedIn, today, in fact, and I think I've got 10 people registered who want to test it out and see whether it actually it's good enough or not. You can and, just share
0: the link, right? You can just share the link and people can use it. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I've shared the link basically, and I'm not sharing it in the context of, hey, everyone on the internet use it, but more, hey, by the way, I know 10 people that I can actually get feedback from. Okay, so it's actually what you expect. So what I've done is I've asked people, to. I'll probably put the link in the short for this episode as well. But the idea is that I want a limited set of experienced cybersecurity people go through it and give me an honest opinion. Because technically, oh, actually, worthwhile calling out? When you do give a train data, there is no response for upload successful. I don't understand this. Oh, I understand this. And then the fact that I think someone asked me a question on, I was giving a talk at OWASP London yesterday. And someone asked me a question. So, you know, TLS 1.0, and that was outdated for some time ago. But imagine if your agent gets that information about some of the technology in AWS, Azure, whichever, in the first episode of Cloud Security Podcast. But by the time you came to the 200th episode, that's already being debunked. That doesn't even exist anymore. Right. How do you tell the system that, hey, by the way, this does not exist anymore?
0: And I'm yeah. like, I don't know. Is that even possible? Did you test it? Like You should be, be able to ask it and say... Hey, tell me about this and is this still relevant anymore? What was the answer?
1: Yeah, because the thing is TLS 1.0 and 2.0 is already there in the old original chat GPD. So it already has that information. But I couldn't think of an example of a service that has basically in the last four years has completely stopped. Because yeah. all the AWS is still there. All the Azure services still there. They might be outdated versions of it. They just say, hey, please move to the new version. But there's not been like a deprecated service that makes sense that
0: we have spoken about. And I don't know what that would be. You could quote unquote fake it because you're using RAG right in your custom agent. So all you should do is just write a document. You create a fake service out of that document. Maybe do some things like add something around timing in the context of the text. And then in another document, talk about its deprecation and where it's at, and it's now at 2.0, and then upload that into your agent and then query against it, and then see if it understands that. My bet, my personal bet is, of course it will, because there'll be text that you have written that says this is deprecated and is no longer relevant, and therefore that will be knowledge that it used. And at least from what I found is when you do tests with your custom GPTs, Like the way I do it is before I do anything is I write my question, get the answer, and then I'll upload my data. I'll do the same exact question and see how it differs. And at least from what I've been able to identify, obviously the difference is you're going to get much more detailed data. So because you're using like, it'll get much more factual information, much more accurate information, less fuzziness, but the answer is relatively are the same. So you could just totally test this. Actually, you might want to clarify what rag is for people who would just no clue. You and I are talking about custom agents. What is a custom AI agent? What is a rag? Custom agents, at least it's basically the way that open AI is defining it today. It is personalized versions of GPT. And really, I think it's just a wrapper around GPT's custom instructions. That's right. And giving you some rag, which is retrieval augmented. But the definition of rag is basically it is a database it's a vector database to be more specific at which your data your text gets vectorized and then thrown into this database and then when you ask your queries it will query that data store in order to retrieve its information so this is not fine tuning right this is augmenting the llm so what happens is Let's say, for example, I have custom data in my PDF document I upload into my custom GPT. It will determine, oh, I don't have this information. I need to query for it. So then it will run a query to the vector database and say, get that data and then pass it to the LLM at which it will then respond with an answer to you. But it is not fine tuning. And so to me, I feel like when you look at OpenAI's version of this. This is just basically a thin wrapper around custom instructions so that you can create your own version of that combined with a vector database. So you can query and do your things. And there is a little ability of its action-oriented API. So you can like have it call out to Mm -hmm. your own services, which is very nice. So you can create some pretty neat projects based off of that.
1: Zapier is probably the only provider at the moment that is allowed for the integration, but I was looking for cloud integration. They have, I think, at least 10 for AWS. It's called Cloud Guardian, so I had to get some cloud data. So I was looking at what integration is possible. So you can do GitHub, GitLab. You can Jira, all of that as well. So from a developer perspective, from a security perspective, there's not many tools I could find, but I guess you can use AWS services to create trigger a custom action. Azure had one or two, zero for Google Cloud. Gee, G- G- I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, 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 <laughs> anti, like Microsoft doesn't want any my Google tools anymore. And I was looking up the RAG definitions. You were right. It's retrieval augmented generation. So rest RAG. But to your point, I think because I could create that in less than two hours, I already obviously, the episodes are public so I could just use the transcript available. So I'm curious to know your thoughts about the whole space. On one side, the world is petrified that there's custom agents and now, hey, all the startups of the world that were creating a wrapper around ChatGPT are dead. And now we have much more complex things to deal with versus the security people going, what does this mean for us? What are your
0: thoughts on the whole the security issues around this? It is an interesting question because I do think it creates a bigger security risk in the fact that, okay, now, before it was just me piping confidential data to ChatGPT, and asking it to analyze some stuff. And so as we discussed before, I think then that means the risk lies in two things, the LLM as a technology itself, and Mm -hmm. them using that training data to get extracted by an attacker, which we think is low risk, or OpenAI itself getting hacked, and then that data being stolen, which again, is a matter of trust on the vendor. Now that they've created custom GPTs, this creates a bigger challenge. Because now employees can then create their own versions of their own agents, uploading corporate confidential information, and then you now have a public link that you can send to anybody at which they can then query and then ask that information, and you will get that exact information, right? And it will be exact to the data at which you've uploaded to it. And so you could see an enterprising employee who is well-intentioned. They might say, hey... I'm in the HR group, I want to create an HR chat bot, because I always get these questions all the time, I'll just upload all the confidential HR stuff and data, and then we'll just have the chat bot, and then you can ask for it. And then that link gets sent somewhere. And they think it's only private, because the link's private, right? Only our employees will get it. And then it gets out and then everybody can get access to that link. And then now you have a problem on your hands. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think now you do have an issue around what are then enterprise controls. You do have to start locking these kinds of things down. And it does go right back to the old DLP story, which is I cannot have employees uploading confidential docs into Dropbox and then sharing those links to people who are not employees. This is the exact same thing, but in a a little bit more unique way, <laughs> right? But to your point, DLP haven't really evolved in that much, right?
1: If you look at the Microsoft Office 365 space as well, Microsoft did a great job with emails and sanitization for confidential data. But nowadays, the world is quite complex. Even before ChatGPT came in, we had the challenge of SaaS applications being uploaded, like Salesforce having confidential data. Then we have AWS, Azure, Google Cloud having confidential data, and if you are multilingual, most of the detection tools that are there for, hey, this is PII, are only English-based. So if you're talking about global audience these days, if you are a non-English PII holder into one of these products, you're like, there's no help, unfortunately. Not enough, at least. I don't know, is that what your experience has been with the DLP space, or do you feel it's coming long
0: enough that it's ready for the AI space now? There's a couple of things. First of all, the DLP space is evolving right? Mm -hmm. However, it's gone from this CASB sniff your traffic to endpoint, right? So that trend is happening right now. It's less about monitoring traffic in a network proxy model, but more about delivering this analysis to employees' endpoints and seeing where they upload, where they download and doing your analysis there. So one, you've seen that shift But the second thing, which I think more what you're talking about is, has DLP evolved the way it detects things, right? Like, Mm. I think largely DLP has been very focused on PII and has been very focused on quote unquote confidentially marked data that has been marked in that way, which by the way, I have to say has a play in chat GPT and LLMs too, right? Like you can deploy any existing DLP product and look for social security numbers going to your chat GPT provider, like you can do that today. But I do think as the world evolves and you start getting into this, do we get into where LLMs and with the creation of LLMs, can you up level what is knowledge and what is confidential information, right? Because it's no longer about a regex that just looks for a social security number. You can say, hey, this model determines that this is executive data that normally would only be shared around, among top level executives and should not be shared with anybody else. And it can analyze content and say, hey, this should not be going here. And I think that is a very big step up where you can now automatically define and identify what should and should not be confidential without manual labor in order to do so. And that changes the game drastically. I do think. It's interesting to start thinking about DLP evolving in that world to get to that spot. Yeah. But would you agree that it's not there yet?
1: Again, we're no, still, I mean, I yeah, don't know of yeah. anybody
0: doing that yet. <laughs> no, same.
1: I'm like, I mean, maybe I should heard start anybody. a company that does that. Like, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> anyone in the audience wants to just come up with that totally. Because to what you said, the nuance of what is sensitive for one particular industry may not be sensitive for another industry as well. There is that kind of nuance to data. And there's the nuance of, personal information versus confidential information. And what is sensitive, like a salary versus the age or health information. There's so much in there. Hopefully someone listening is a DLP provider and probably looks at this
0: and talks about this. But no, I, I again, actually you know, think I should just start a company around that. So anyone who's listening to this, you can reach out to me and we'll just go build something that goes perfect. Done. Perfect. Perfect. I imagine it's not going to be an easy challenge as well, man. I think I would come support you and
1: I would definitely go, yep, this is a great thing to go forward with, especially because if 2026 prediction is
0: true, like going back to what you were saying earlier, then we are already behind the eight ball on this one. Yeah, I'm already thinking that because it has to happen, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is another great example of how I think it's not about the security of LLMs, but it's about using LLMs to improve security and have it get its next step up in capability. Because another adjacent one to this is APIs for me.
1: Like to what you said about OpenAI having the API actions available from Zapier. At the end of the day, if you're enabling integration and we can go anywhere, the whole space of API security, which was not getting a lot of love for some time, I feel that's just definitely going to get a lot of attention because of this now. Now it's not just text information going through API. We have voice, we have files being uploaded to ChatGPT. And I know we keep talking about ChatGPT, but there are other versions out there as well, which are doing equally. I think I saw one yesterday, which can move a static image. You upload a static image, and it just basically adds motion to it, makes it a video. Uh, So it could be an image of a ship, which is in the middle of water, and you just, you don't even have to code. You just have select that thing. It changes the image into a video of the the ship or a boat or whatever, just floating in water. I'm like, it's some Harry Potter shit right there. And I'm going, this is like insane. So I don't know what we do for video if it goes through APIs. I definitely feel there's an evolution coming for the API space as well. We're inspecting whether you're uploading videos, images, because I could just take a picture of sensitive information, just upload that. I don't have to wait for a DLP, which is going to scrape it. I would say, oh, it's an image. I don't know how to process images. So there's a, Next evolution for API. I don't know
0: if you have some thoughts on this as well. Yeah. What you're talking about Facebook released, their announcement was on creating videos and also editing images and it's pretty cool stuff, but yes, it's again, when you start thinking about content, right? Text is a way that we interact, but voice is obviously moving in that direction. It will be video moving in that direction. And so yes, when you think about what is knowledge and what is information, Obviously, all those apply and not, obviously, don't forget about documents and all of the other standard stuff that we use today. If I'm a DLP vendor, I look at this as one of the biggest opportunities to shake up this market. And how much do I put in to go after this? Or effectively, also, if I'm a wannabe entrepreneur, I do think DLP is absolutely required. And the next generation of that DLP has to come and it's coming. And this technology can allow it. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, yeah. another thing I might call out. I don't know. Have you seen these yet? Is yeah. that the Facebook? Yeah, yeah. The Facebook. <laughs> how are they? Uh, so, are like, they so
1: good? One day. if you just do that, I think, uh, I don't know if you see this. You see the I light? I see the light. Yeah. 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 So, it's taking like a picture of just you and I and my screen, I guess. The reason I kind of show this and this comes in as super cool uh, green. Okay, going. B-
0: before you go into your lesson, you have to tell me how is it. Like, as a oh, user. Wait, it's it- amazing,
1: man. I definitely found it. So, I used it for, I was in KubeCon Chicago a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And I was obviously told people that, hey, this is going to record something, but just letting you know it is recording. But people did not even pick up the fact that it was recording. So Good if right. I forget to tell you, hey, man, I'm recording, people would just not, because it's such a regular looking
0: specs that people just go, oh, he just wears specs these days. That, that was my question. Yeah. But doesn't it have that green light when it's recording? So then, No. Yeah. Okay.
1: No, it's just white. So the white light would be consistently glowing if it's recording. But then see, you would not... Because I think I saw so many videos online about people just not recognizing it. And just to test it out, I wasn't recording it. I was basically... I walked with someone and said, hey, do you recognize these glasses? And they're like, I don't know what these... Only when I called it out, people would look at that little camera on the side. Oh and shit, there's a camera there. How's the AI thing work? Is it any good? I think it's a work in progress. Uh, so it does work. It can tell you factual information. It hasn't gotten the new update yet, which is the one where if I'm looking at something, it can give me information about it.
0: Yes. That, I think next year. So that would, for me, would be super cool. I Uh, want the thing, yeah, that recognizes the face and then automatically pulls up the LinkedIn information because I am horrible at remembering (laughs) people's faces. I would love that as well. So
1: you can obviously get them in one of those PDD glasses as well if you want, want as well. But I think we went for the most simple version. But the intent is to walk around with this. But obviously let people know. I think where possible, I'll let people know that, hey, by the way, this is recording. So just let
0: it No, I think you need to do an experiment of not doing that. And how many people recognize what it is or don't recognize what it is to see like... like they have a the normal conversation. Don't even call yeah, it Yeah, exactly. then, Yeah, yeah,
1: away. Yeah,
0: that's right. Like you need to have us. You don't have do it the whole time, but you need to say, OK, for half a day, yeah. I'm not going to say a word. And then what are people's reactions to it? Do you get called out? What do they say? Yeah, I I've definitely do that as well.
1: But I, I'm definitely keen to see the extent of this as to how that affects the privacy. To what we were talking about, and that's why I brought that up, DLB space is a lot more complex these days. It's not about me taking a picture on my phone. I could wear regular specs, walk into the office, record the entire damn thing, no one would have a single True. clue because they just see me walking around in specs now, which yeah. is a
0: regular scale. There's always been a challenge around the cell phone, take a photo problem, right? Which is yeah. people will say, how do you stop people from just taking a photo or a video? And the answer is you can't, right? Like, but at the end of the day, is that the threat that is my biggest risk? And depending upon where I sit, it can be, but in 99.9% of cases, that's not your biggest risk, right? you have far bigger risks in other areas of your organization. Now however if you are you have a crypto custody and you're oh. in there and you are like putting in codes and things in an ultra secure facility then yes recording and taking photos and snapshots is a huge risk that you need to remove but largely I just don't think it's the biggest problem. That opens up another
1: door of conversation as well cuz I think when you go through security for highly restricted areas they ask you for phones so that you don't record. How yeah. often do they ask for specs to be provided? Oh, and- they're definitely going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> if they find out. Because the number of people that I spoke to who had no clue about this thing being available. I, this is people in tech. They had no idea. And I'm uh, going, wait, am I, me, Caleb, and a few of the people who are keeping an eye on this are the only ones who probably are aware that
0: people can walk into rooms with specs on and just record the entire thing? Let's ask your audience. There are people who listen to this that probably go into skiffs government and ask them, "Do you think you can get away with carrying a pair of Facebook glasses in, and would people notice? Would you get definitely? A comment. Just yeah. drop it as a comment. Do you feel? I see the meta AI came in as well online. It's basically
1: the notification that came on our phone asking, about, "Hey, the new media is ready. If you want to, <laughs> okay. I hope it was some recording. Mark like, making with on the on the other end of the phone going. Who are they talking about? I also wanted to touch on another aspect, which is the prompt engineering one. It's probably the third one that I feel is worth calling out as we sit today. I think one of the conversations that I was getting a lot into was more around, do security people need to know prompt engineering to protect the same concept that we had before where initially for a web app, people would use Burp Suite. They're exploring what APIs are active or can I fuss through it? Also, do I need to understand... This, as in pre Burp Suite days, where you're basically going through one domain at a time or one subdomain at a time. Is that the stage that I'm at the moment with prompt engineering where I have to
0: understand prompt engineering to be able to protect against it? Because it literally looks like just normal text. You're talking about do you need to understand it in order to protect against prompt injection? Yes. I don't think so. My feeling is, okay, you want to protect against prompt injection. Today, you can go out and find a whole bunch of models that will automatically protect and identify prompt injection for you, right? There's a ton of startup companies that are doing this. There's open source vendors like LLM Guard that offers models that will do this. Crap, even Azure just announced that they will do this for you. So, yeah, they just announced it, I feel like this week, where they are now offering prompt injection models for you. So you can just pass it and they'll tell you whether it's prompt injection or whether they believe it's prompt injection. So, no, I think at this point, the models are there to help reduce that being a threat. Although, oddly or funny enough, OpenAI didn't use that in their personal, which is interesting, but that's a different (laughs) discussion. I don't think that's really the biggest problem in terms of, are you going to make your own custom prompt injection rules, signatures, or others? My gut guess is probably rarely, however you may. And if you are, then you definitely need to know how prompts work in order to do that. But I don't think your everyday security engineer or security person needs to know prompting in order to prevent prompt injection. If you want to take advantage of LLMs in your work, you definitely need to know about prompting.
1: And prompting has been
0: so critical.
1: But to extend that example a bit more, so few people that I spoke to, they're already using prompt engineering, as they call it, to extend web app pen tests, create reports from it. So I guess a pen testing activity that I imagine would get to a point as well where because I cannot think of any other option to check security, I'm going to ask a pen testing firm to pen test my implementation of my custom wrapper around GPT because I feel 100%. my proxy is reporting it. So at that point in time, I, that's coming as well. And I don't know if any pen tests are listening to this, but I'm pretty sure it's going to get to a point where someone would ask a question, which is what I just shared right now. Should I teach my engineering team? Because you know how the best defense is offense, as they say. How do you know the what to look out for when you don't even know what. It's like an unknown as well. I don't know. Am I looking for text? Is it going to be like, hey, please accept my prompt injection for giving me all my credit card information. I don't know what that would look like.
0: What you're saying is like pen testers need to know how to do prompt injection in order to start testing these things. Yeah, they right? would, but I guess but I'm also coming from. The,
1: so there is one part where the offensive people have to start learning it because there's going to be a question asked for how do we really test the security of our side of the responsibility for the chat GPT equivalent. So they would be that component. The other part is we are having conversations about, like for the past few episodes, we spoke about the AI primers. Like this is what you need to know, understand from a AI perspective. And we spoke about the fact that to understand risk, you need to understand AI and understand what you're really facing. These wrappers that you've been looking at, that we spoke about earlier, they're obviously expecting some kind of level of knowledge from us on the whole prompt injection, or are they so abstracted that I don't really need to know about. To build my defenses
0: against a prompt injection, I don't need to know what it is. I just need to use LLM guard. I think that it's difficult today to build your defenses for prompt injection. It's such a complex and hard challenge that you somehow, assuming you can build prompt injection protection in your own prompt, I think is a waste of effort. Like it just does not make sense. In fact, I go the opposite way. I, I would go the opposite way in that you need to assume that the prompt that you build for your agent is open source and can be retrieved and recovered by anyone who can do prompt injection. The only way to really solve prompt injection to any degree that is reasonable today is by using some sort of other model some secondary model in order to analyze that input and determine, hey, is it really prompt injection? Or rely on some of the foundational models who do really good jobs against that. Like I've heard Anthropic seems to be pretty good around prompt injection. Like I've heard some of those, like there's a lot of good ones who have it fundamentally built in well. But you as an individual, I don't think you're writing prompts in order to defend against it. If you want to test it, that's an interesting angle. So there are like offensive tools out there that will try to do prompt injection like a vuln scanner. Right. Right. Uh, Okay. uh, Wow. Yeah. And that's an interesting model. So you can say, let's see how vulnerable we are to prompt injection. And you can run these things.
1: Interesting. Would you say the true risk of prompt injection is just
0: that data leakage? No, I don't. I think prompt injection overall is the biggest challenge around LLMs and really enabling LLMs to go do amazing things. Like, take for example, when we start getting into automation and agents where LLMs are making decisions for us, Mm. right? It can actually act, make a decision, and act on those things. That's where prompt injection becomes really dangerous. A good example is when you start doing things like look at OpenAI. If you are doing RAG or you are doing, running a container and doing, running execution on commands to do code, prompt injection becomes really dangerous because I can now use my prompt to execute code in your sandbox and or pull all of the data that I want outside in your RAG data store. And so that then becomes pretty dangerous. I can affect the way you create actions. I can affect the way things are done that's where I think it becomes really dangerous. And it's really hard to solve for this because remember, prompt injection is like SQL injection. It's like (laughs) cross scripting, right? Yeah, Yeah, so it's the same problems. And so prompt injection can come from anything. Like people are talking about prompt injection coming from third-party websites or from, but understand prompt injection can come from a document. Prompt injection can come from the metadata of a document. (laughs) <laughs> right, like, yeah. If I upload an image and in the metadata of my image in the location, what if I just do my prompt injection there? Right, yeah. if you are extracting data, metadata, and throwing it into an LLM, then that thing can be used to carry your commands, and it's exact same attack methods as any SQL injection, any cross site scripting. And so that means that me having that executive assistant who can autonomously manage my calendar and my email becomes really hard because it's processing all of this dangerous, quote unquote, dirty data. Emails inbound to me are automatically not sanitized and are yeah. dangerous. <laughs> they are tainted data. Calendar invites, all of these things are tainted data. Voicemails yeah. that are left that it processes in order to go do things is tainted data. Prompt injection and in that. To me... Like this one thing is the thing that this is holding back our real ability to trust this thing to do really cool things. It's a bummer.
1: What this is actually doing is making people say no for AI in their organization because prompt injection
0: is that scary as well, right? It's that scary, yeah. If you are making actions, if you are making decisions and or doing rag, prompt injection becomes a real problem. And so you have to worry about the data that it processes And in my presentation, this guy, Simon Wilson, I think he writes a lot of things, really awesome things on his blogs about security and specifically LLMs. And he proposed this, the only model he could think of that helps defeat this is this model of where you have a containerized, like two LLMs. You have a sort of a dirty LLM that is very much sandboxed. And then you have your actual LLM that has connections to your data. So- when you get input, you treat that input as dirty, pass it to your sort of containerized LLM, have it rewrite the prompt in its own words and in the own way in order to spit it back out so that then you can go and pass it down to the one that does do the connection so that you can get the data, then pass it back to the user. Oh, wow. So it was like a, what's it called? The pre-act before the actual act, for what a better word. Yeah, you need to have, You need to have a sandboxed version of LLM that has no connections to data so that you can effectively explode the dirty possible prompt injection so that it has nowhere to go. It has no actual data. And what you can do is you could so effectively rewrite that prompt using the LLM so that it becomes very hard for it to actually do what you want it to do and then pass it over and to go grab your data.
1: Sounds like we have a DLP solution model right there. Like we just made the architecture of a DLP solution. A modern day AI enabled DLP could actually have that. Where before it comes to you, has another LLM monitoring the prompts for what's going on, but, and maybe upload information stuff as
0: well. The way that the current prompt injection models work is there are some fairly good ones, right? Like I feel the ones that are out there can block like 95%, <laughs> right? Oh, Which, right. Like, okay. They're that good. Yeah. Like, I think for 95% of the people trying to do this, there are actually some ones that are pretty decent. This is, again, this is similar to things like cross-site scripting. It's not a problem that will ever go away. It's just a matter of severity. So how much do you raise the cost of the attacker to allow them to be able to do this? The only real challenge I think with LLMs is that in order to really realize their full potential, LLMs need to be in decision-making positions that can be very impactful. Like I I give examples of think about an LLM who helps monitor production infrastructure for problems. And once it does identify a problem, can troubleshoot that problem and make changes to production infrastructure automatically. Having that prompt injected, that's a real problem. (laughs) Like That's a really scary thing. And so you can raise the cost but is it still high enough to have the risk of putting something like that in there? No.
1: Yeah. Before we go to the tail end, which is off the episode, where we talk about what we're going to talk about in the next season, what is something
0: that's hot in AI that you've been working on or at least testing out in the past couple of weeks? I've been doing what everyone else is doing, which is screwing around with the open AI stuff. Custom agents as well? Yeah, the custom agents trying to see... What's been going on there? And you did see the security issues. You can get prompt injected in your custom agent. So you, it'll dump <laughs> all your prompt, yeah. which is interesting because the entire point of the app store for OpenAI will be based around your prompt and your yes. data, right? Your rag right. data, which by the way, you can also prompt inject and download. Or you so, can download data as well. I yes. was the... Oh <laughs> my God. Okay, Brandon. So, brand so it'll be entertaining to see. Okay, how do you open up an app store? they're effectively open source. So you can download both the prompt and you can go retrieve the data. It'll be interesting to see they got to go fix that before. Yeah, But
1: maybe to your point of word of warning for people
0: who are trying to work on custom agents, don't put your personal or sensitive data in there. Yeah, you have to assume this stuff is open source right now, right? Because this problem has not been solved as what we were just talking about. So yeah, yeah, you have to assume this is a little bit open source. So anyone basically, it's like a wild west at the moment. Anyone is trying everything that they
1: can to take over this and maybe do this at the end this. But in saying that, thank you for sharing that.
0: I have to plug the, have you seen the awesome GPT agents link? No. For cybersecurity, there is a no. GitHub where they list all of the GPT agents that people have made around Oh, yeah. I think Thomas is the name of the guy? I don't know who it was, but it was really good. Yeah, because I'm going to put a PR for
1: my custom agent to be there as well because he doesn't have one for cloud security. Yeah, like, you got to list that. That's a really cool... So exec. maybe the, the next one that you have to talk about, your hot one, is basically the repo, which is by Thomas Rockier. So awesome GPT agents. I'll put the link in the show
0: notes. Basically, I'm going to put my Cloud Guardian there as well. But why are you excited about it, man? I tested a couple of them and they're pretty good. Like I tested some of the security ones and I gave it some pretty hard questions and it was pretty decent. Like I was impressed. Oh, wait. So these
1: are agents people have put data in, custom agents for cybersecurity. People have put
0: data in as well? Yeah. These are all custom GPTs. So... I think the one I tested was virtual senior security engineer. So I tested this one. So I was like, all right, let me do a little bit of an interview. Yeah. Cause <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's see how good this thing really is. It was like, good. It was like, I don't know what custom data they augmented. Obviously, I don't know what that is unless I prompt inject them, but I tested it out and it was impressive, man. Okay. Cause there's one for CISO AI as well. So which
1: I'm, which I was going to definitely play around with. There's one called CISO AI. So I'm like, oh, that'll be interesting as to what am I expecting? Yeah, you should interview it. You should interview yeah. it. Like, and just
0: basically have an entire episode just us interviewing CISO AI. Actually, what we should do is we can now tell recruiters and CEOs that this is what you use to interview your CISO. So you can just oh. ask the question oh. in your CISO DVT <laughs> and see how closely... That When the CISO answers, does it match with what GPT says? <laughs> Imagine someone doing an interview and on the side, the CEO is
1: just typing away. And I'm like, oh, yeah. am I disturbing? Just, I'm just coming up with the next question. Sorry, I would start to go through this document and find my next question. Yes. i like, oh, that's a really interesting way. I'm going to put that as
0: something, as a content out there and that. I think would be really super interesting. Yeah, because but, they don't know, like CEOs don't know how to interview CISOs. They're like, I don't know what questions to ask. Yeah. Like, how do you determine whether a CISO is good or not good? Like yeah, they don't know. Technical or not technical as well. Yeah, yeah. They should rename that agent into CISO interview agent. <laughs> and <laughs> maybe, a pull request. maybe a
1: pull request. They can put that through and maybe they can change it. I do want to talk about the next season. We're going to have guests, hopefully Daniel Measler and others like him who are basically talking about AI, cybersecurity specifically, And I think maybe more hot ones. I'm actually curious, by the time we catch up on season two, how much AI would be different? I'm definitely like, I would be
0: super interested to know what our hot series in the end is like compared to what it is today. Can we ask the people listening like our proposal on what we do with Canon just doing like free flow talk and Run it for like uh, over an hour and just see what happens? Yeah. Yeah,
1: I would personally say
0: I would not think people would worry about it because I think
1: we spoke about this. I still believe I'm still happy to put the content out there but I would not even know the right questions to ask someone because you don't want to put them in some kind of a boundary for, hey, talk to me about AI and cybersecurity but what do you think about it? And I think as the conversation flows to what you and I was talking about, we can just take it from there as well. But obviously, folks who are listening to this, if you feel no, you like the one hour interview, we'll try and make a shorter version of that as well. Hopefully, as long as it takes to get to the bottom of what we're trying to talk about, just a couple, that's few people hanging out and just talking about cybersecurity and AI. But for that, thank you so much for supporting all of us, especially Caleb, me, Sholpi, as we tried the AI Cybersecurity Podcast Season 1. Make sure to subscribe for Season 2 as well. But thanks, Caleb. Have fun. All right, guys. Thank you. See you next season.